This is exactly right. Forgive me for interrupting. I'm Bridger Weiniger, host of I Said No Gifts on Exactly Right. Each week, I invite my favorite people in comedy over to chat, and they always bring a gift. We're coming up on our 200th episode, and every episode is a gem. I have welcomed all kinds of great guests, including Cola Scola, Bowen Yang, Robbie Hoffman. It goes on and on and on. And you don't want to miss the 200th episode with the great Maria Bamford. What does she bring me? Find out April 25th. New episodes every Thursday. Follow I Said No Gifts wherever you get your podcasts. Hello! Welcome to My Favorite Murder. This is a podcast. This is a podcast about true crime. And there's some comedy elements. You're going to freak out. It's gonna, you're gonna, you won't believe it. <laughs> you won't believe your eyes. You won't believe your ear holes. That's Georgia Hardstark over I, there. That's Karen Kilgariff over there. Me. You. What do you have for, what do you have for me, <laughs> Karen Kilgariff? I want, trying to figure out a way to make this beginning more stilted, and I think we're doing it. <laughs> that was our goal this week, guys. We said, usually the openings are kind of stilted. And awkward. But let's turn that up to 11. It, that's everyone's favorite part. That's why I mean, nobody skips anymore. That's right. Because they're like, this beginning is making me sweat. They're, get, they're getting good at making me uncomfortable. I think I need to start. By saying, by not listening to whatever you just said, and by realizing I need to make a correction. (laughs) Okay. I, but the correction is from the last minisode. Okay. I believe. Yes. Because we were talking about what book you would take if uh, somebody asked the icebreaker question. Yes. What book would you read? No, no, that wasn't the minisode. That was the Q&A episode. The Q&A episode. I filed it under (laughs) minisode in my mind. Um, So it was the last... uh, but it was on the day of the minisode, right? No. So it was the last episode. It was a special... Oh, it was a full-on episode? Yeah. Oh my God, I have to listen to this podcast. <laughs> I bet it's good. Um, <laughs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> You'd be surprised what we're getting away with. <laughs> so the question asked was, uh-huh. what book would you read if you could only read... Or what book would you pick if you could only read the same book over and over for da- the rest of your life? And you said Da Vinci Code. I said the Da Vinci Code. Now, it's been haunting me. Since I said that. So this is a correct, you're correcting yourself. Well, I'm, I, I don't know if even I can correct it because it already happened. I did it. I said it. You know it. I have an idea. Okay. Let's really quickly, let's record you answering that question again. And we'll have Steven edit that part of you say into the last episode. Okay. So, so <laughs> but there's, pe- when I'm, there's already people that have heard it. There's already people that have talked to me about it. Mm. It's too late. It never, ha- it's never happened. <laughs> it's too late. And here's what I want to say. Okay. As I was thinking about it, what I thought was, it's the perfect example of what my mind does when I go into an over like status overwhelm. So that moment and moments like that, like when people ask you these icebreaker questions at parties and like if they're book related or band related or fashion, something that could it's, make you feel bad. And it's not fair because if they're answering it, then they already have their perfect, if they're asking it, they already have their perfect smart person answer. That's exactly right. So they're like, it's like, r- r- you know, rubbing their hands together mm-hmm. going, what book would you read? Let me sound how, let me hear how stupid you sound right, right now. So then my brain scans uh-huh. the mental bookshelf in my mind Mm -hmm. all of the spines are blank 
There's nothing to be read. I it's just blank journals. Yeah. And you can't pick one of those. It's all my old journals with like half written Chinese orders, uh, Chinese food orders written mm -hmm. on them um, and poems. Um, so I just went into a full panic and acted as if a bad detailed book is better than a beautifully written book, which is fucking crazy. But it was me trying to like simplify and fix a problem that didn't even exist because in the first place. no one's going to be like no you're wrong because you're like yeah no i'm wrong but yes. this is what i'm going with Fuck i'm you. wrong and i'm choosing the wrongness whereas if i could re-answer that now and i'm going to okay i would pick the my i think my favorite book i've ever read to date is a book by a, a writer named colin mccann and it's called let the great world spin and oh. it's a, it's a bunch of different stories that lead up to the day mm. the guy walked across across the tightrope between the the two um world trade center towers wow i love i love books that are different stories and then you find out at the end how they intertwine. yeah <laughs> I wasn't going to just keep going. We didn't have to, like, we could have ignored that. But the word intertwangle is the best. <laughs> I think I was, like, kind of thinking of a tightrope <laughs> and how it, like, you know what I mean? And then it intertwined. It intertwangles, right, uh, together. That's my, the word, proclensity and intertwangle are now my new words that I've made up. Yep. And then I am fucking sticking with. Your trademark is underneath <laughs> him. So anyway, any anyone who has, right now, if in your mind, piece of trivia, you have my favorite book is The Da Vinci Code, <laughs> Sorry, Dan Brown. We're not doing that today. The, please replace it with Colin McCann's Let the Great World Spin. And I think really what I need is on icebreaker questions, no matter where they're asked, I need a four-day hold so I can Absolutely. really give answers that I that From I now on, get. we'll write down essay, question, essay answers. I'm sticking with Middlesex by Jeffrey Genetis, but that's really because I... I obsessed with I obsessed with that book. Talking's not going great for me so far. You're, it seems like your words are intertwangled today. <laughs> My brain just is twangly today. It's so twangled. <laughs> um, I want to read a quick thing. Do it. I've got an email from someone named Eric with a K, uh, and it says Cheese Days episode one thirty nine response. Georgia, Karen, and crew. I just listened to episode one thirty nine and Ge with Georgia's story about Athens, Wisconsin. Mm. Remember how we were talking about the how you want a cheese parade? Yes, and this we was were, the creepy family that there was uh, the whole family was murdered the except Coons for family. Yes, yes. That was intense, and they live in a the one son worked at a cheese factory. So we, we talked extensively about what a small town parade for Abraham Lincoln would be like. I right, think, I think that's what it was. Yeah, and then we'd throw cheese curds out the. Okay, I live in Monroe, Wisconsin, about three hours south of Athens. Your description of your theoretical 4th of July celebration oh. had me laughing because this was an almost perfect description of my <laughs> town's biannual Cheese Days Festival. Yes! This festival takes over the entire town and is such a big deal that they can only have it every other year. What? <laughs> Fucking party. Oh, shit. Over 100,000 people visit my small town of just of just under 11,000 residents what? for three days of nothing but cheese, beer, live music, and carnival food. A major draw to the cheese days is the fresh, deep-fried cheese curds. Lines literally go around the entire block with people waiting to buy their curds. This cheese days parade is kicked off with Guernsey cattle being led through town. <laughs> yes! Follow that's my kind of cattle. That's your cow. Yes, they're the prettiest ones. Followed by the cheese 
stage royalty. The mascot is a piece of cheese named Wedgie. <laughs> a wedge of cheese. <laughs> and his underwear up his ass. We just missed it. <laughs> Uh, there'll be another one in 2020 that we should know that your make-believe scenario of small-town Wisconsin life wasn't that far off the mark. Yes. Love your show. Stay sexy and eat all the cheese, Eric. Can someone please put it in our group iCal, the mm. Murderino iCal, mm-hmm. the 2020 Cheese Day Parade in what was what town below athens it's uh monroe wisconsin fucking monroe's cheese day parade we will be there get us oops reserve us a room at the bed and breakfast <laughs> please steven tell well, them all we eat is cheese yes the what get please get us a bed and breakfast that's right on the parade route yes so we can stay in bed but open the window yes. people throw tr- fried cheese curd into our mouth at us um, this reminds me a lot of Petaluma's Butter and Egg Day Parade, which oh. has been going on since the 80s. And That's all I want to do. Is very cute. It's just like my dad, the great joke that my dad loves <laughs> to make is that it's not really a legit parade because he's like, Jesus, I could pick up one of those little flags and walk in it myself. Like he's, he doesn't <laughs> yeah, that's like the point. Yeah, I know. It's like little kids walk by and they're all from one karate class. Aww. Like it is the cutest, best parade. Is there a pet costume contest where everyone dresses as their dogs as <laughs> eggs and butter no because you know why, why? they save that f- petaluma is the home of the ugly dog contest you know <gasps> every year shut your face okay have i never told you this starstruck right now right okay the ugly dog contest has been going on in my hometown of petaluma california since the 70s holy shit and here's how i know that that is relatively accurate is because my sister was on the tv show and for people who grew up in the 80s is a big fucking deal there was a tv show called real people and it was hosted by fred willard some blonde lady some blonde guy and then another guy and I can't Holy remember. Holy shit. These are famous people. <laughs> it, was, it was like, there was a whole crew of people. Skip Stevenson was one of the people. Skip. And, um, and it was basically just human interest stories from around the nation. And it was the best show. We loved it so much. It was like one of those Sunday night yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of 7 p.m. shows. But it's like easy listening of TV shows. It took completely. And it would just be like, here's this weird guy from yeah. Ohio. He collects lizards. Yeah. The guy that ate only McDonald's his whole life was on there. Whoa. Like, like everyone. You know, I'm sure the fat twins from the Guinness Book of World Record that rode their motorcycles probably featured. But when they came to Petaluma to film the Ugly Dog Contest, they Chinese Cresteds everywhere. It was so we heard the TV show Real People will be there. (gasps) So, so my sister um, was in had already signed up my dog Muggsy, Muggsy, who was just a shitty little gray, you know, like charcoal gray mutt that mm-hmm. i think she had an underbite she was kind of skinny and funny she, she wasn't even ugly enough to she, be. no 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 she was just plain yeah <laughs> but <laughs> it was kind of fucked up and none of the hosts came it was just what? the eng crew right. so there was just a, a professional tv camera they sound were just gonna man. do voiceover for it exactly right that's what they did yeah. is like they just talked the tape in and out but when we watched it on the real tv mm. my sister's rainbow flip-flop was on made it to the final cut and we screamed <laughs> my dad got mad how loud we screamed because we went berserk and it was just my no, sister's it's your fucking foot on tv it was my kid. sister's foot and mugsy it was one of those shots where the guy put the camera down on the ground and then the dog sniffed up to the lens oh mugsy good girl so boy. mugsy actually made it to the final cut oh we have to find that tape what if i saw my You're old crying. dead dog <laughs> i oh. forgot that'd be so awesome to I see mugsy you again someone will find that if so- i mean it's such an old show though i mean this was like probably 78 79 
It was, wow. it was like 1,000 years ago. Someone's going to find it. Real people, Fred Willard. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> oh my God. That was just a, I just walked you down Petaluma Lane. It was beautiful. Thanks so much. Um, where were we? Do we have business? Merch is kind of getting knocked out, out of the fucking park lately. Yeah. That's about to hit. So keep an eye out at myfavoritemurder.com and then go to shop. Yes. Um, you know what? I'm going to say this really quick. Okay. Um, Georgia sent me a, a website that people have been sharing. Um, do not start a store um, and say that it's quote unquote inspired by this podcast. And it, w- listen, we completely support Etsy artists. We completely support independent artists, people that are making little individual things. Somebody has started a full on internet store mm-hmm. that has like what 50 products it's completely ripped off it's not entire making from- it's stuff it's the kind of thing where it's on print on demand yeah so you can just make up whatever you want and put what kind of whatever kind of um uh what's the word the writing yeah you can put any any kind of quote you want and these people are basically entirely ripping us off yeah. we would appreciate it as pretending to be fans well, I mean, like, whether they're fans or not, yeah. we need to tell you, you're not allowed to do that. Yeah. This, like, we, we let people do it on, on Etsy and stuff like that when it's like individual people, um, who are like, I make this uh, cross yeah. stitch for you guys. I make this. I make that. And like, creators. We love that people are doing that. You cannot start an internet store of our merch without, uh, permission or like talking about it. Yeah. That's your, you're ripping us off. Yeah. And that isn't inspired by no. that's stealing. Yeah. So you, you're not allowed to do that. And we, we understand there's people that are going to get like, we're going to get the, this will make waves because people are like, Hey, we thought we were all going to, and it's like, no, 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 that the artist people who, and they know who they are yeah. because we talk to them and their listeners. And we repost their beautiful stuff on our Instagram account. And we love it. And we want people to and make com- money off this right. to a degree. You cannot open a store of our merch. I it's not, that. it's not allowed. Yeah. That's it. We're about to leave for New York. Let's, uh, I know is, is Georgia first or my first? Who was first? Oh, Stephen doesn't know. Well, because we did a Q&A last week. Yeah. So, so what happened the week before? Yeah. Who answered the first question? Stephen. It was a live episode the week before. Stephen, were you in San Diego all day and you just were like at the beach? Now you don't know what's Stephen, going on. Stephen, you do look tan. I was tan. at the zoo. <gasps> Your face looks bad. Were you looking for dinosaurs at the zoo, Stephen? I was. I didn't find Stephen, dinosaurs. Oh, never- it was, um, it was, uh, Karen would go first because it was Joan Dolly. Oh, yeah. So it's me now? Yes. Okay. Okay. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com slash 
slash murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant? Like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made-in, made-in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Well, this is good because actually it's one of those times where we leave tomorrow to go to our New York Boston leg of the tour. Uh New York Medford, really. And I'm also uh, back working on baskets again. So, you know what that means? I survived. I survived. I survived. I So this is the part where um, I'm going to retell Georgia and you, if you want to listen, um, an episode of I Survived. The best television show, it's now on Lifetime, but you can also get it on iTunes. Uh, several seasons, I don't think all of them. Um, but it's my favorite show if you've never seen it and you like true crime and the kind of stuff we talk about, you have to watch this show. It's firsthand accounts of people talking about terrible attacks, disasters, uh, weird accidents, and things where you can't believe that the thing they're going to come to at the end is that they survived it. Because each story is more horrifying than the last. Um, and then every once in a while, there's like a skiing accident. And it just cu- to cut, just to cut it. <laughs> and it comforts you that they survived. Uh, the thing I think is cool is that when people tell their own story firsthand, you would think the way you're picturing and hearing the story, as I think as we all kind of do as we read this kind of stuff, it's very fatalistic. It's very upsetting. Mm-hmm. It's very scary. But when you see a person very calmly and, you know, every once in a while they'll cry, but for the most part, they don't. Mm-hmm. They just tell the story because they've already fucking told the story mm-hmm. 50 to 100 times to all different kinds of people. And now it's there. It's like they're possessing their own story. Mm. And and a lot of times the feeling is amazing when they get to the end and they smile and the last thing they always ask them is why do you think you're survived and then they give this long list of the different reasons and it sometimes it's god and sometimes it's because they love their family so much mm-hmm. or because they thought ahead like it's just really brilliant and there's times where like there's multiple stories of people getting shot in the fucking head and surviving and they're sitting there telling the story like it's like nothing happened like it's like an anxiety it'll like it would like relieve my anxiety a little bit 
probably too. like well because it it's almost like a terrible roller coaster where it goes all the way up and freaks you out and you scream mm-hmm. your ass on the way down and then you're fine and then you mm-hmm. land fine and you're like oh that was someone else's story i just lived it with them mm-hmm. it's kind of the idea okay but also it's really stressful and the first time i watched it was with my sister and she made me watch it and i kept going i don't want to watch this i can't deal with it and and she was like no you have to watch this and it was a story about one of the people there was three people every time usually every time and this time one of the women was on a hijacked plane and got shot in the head and dumped on the tarmac And she lived. It's the most unbelievable story. It's so upsetting and so horrifying. And yet there she is telling it. Yeah. I mean, crazy. Fucking bananas. Okay. Give it to me. I'm like, I'll pump now. We, yeah. This is why we love it. And this is one. I just keep trying to think when I'm in a pinch and I'm like, okay, what will I know that I've, because there's a bunch of these I've seen a bunch of Mm -hmm. times. And this is, I just try to think of the ones that stand out in my mind that were like really clear. And so this is the episode of I Survived that features Heidi and Christine. I'm not going to tell you anything else about it. I'll just tell you the story. Okay. So um, it starts in September of 2002. Heidi Hart and Christine Shannon, they've just finished a tour of Israel and Egypt. Wow. And yes. So they decide as their reward for, as they say, surviving the Middle East, Mm -hmm. they're going to go to Greece and party for uh, a week and just like hang out on the beach and just relax. Great. I've just cut right to that one. (laughs) (laughs) They saw the sights. Uh I would love nothing more than to see the pyramids in real life. That would be fucking amazing. So anyway, they spend two days in Athens. And then the idea is they plan on... um, traveling all around the smaller islands. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's basically the rest of their trip, which is five more days. Mm-hmm. So they decide they're going to take the five o'clock ferry called the Express Samina to the island of Paros, which is located in the central Aegean Sea. I don't know anything about <laughs> the world. Mm-hmm. So I looked up Greece on a map mm-hmm. and it's so crazy. It's like Greece kind of goes like in this, uh, let's, you know, like a misshapen crescent on mm-hmm. the top. Mm-hmm. And then there's just all these islands, mm-hmm. just a ton of islands all through that, all through the sea. And so you basically kind of like there's Mykonos and then there's, uh, um, this one, Peros, other ones. But there, yeah. there is so many of them, but it's that amazing blue water. Yeah. That's like, looks like a movie. Yeah. And, um, all those little, most of those little islands have those whitewashed, um, uh, buildings. Yeah. Like everything's white with blue doors, flat roofs. It's amazing looking. Um, my cousins went there. I'm very jealous of them. That's amazing. Um, okay. Also, did you ever see the movie Summer Lovers? If we're going to talk about things from the 80s. No. Well, I highly recommend it to you and all murderinos. It's a film with Peter Gallagher and Daryl Hannah. Oh. They're, I think they're supposed to be like in their mid-twenties and boyfriend-girlfriend, and they go to Greece um, for summer. And they, lo- and, and they love. And, they, and to love each other. But then this fascinating, I think she's French, woman shows up in the picture and the and basically i think peter gallagher convinces daryl hannah to have a three-way with them Uh there's just a lot don't trust peter gallagher yes (laughs) everyone knows everyone in hollywood knows that once you see those eyebrows you know that you're in danger Mm -hmm. um 
This movie was on HBO one night when me and my cousin Nancy were sleeping in my Aunt Kathleen's front room when I was probably 10 and she was 12. And Nancy and I didn't get along because she was two years older than me, but she was the youngest in her family and I was the youngest in my family. So I drove her fucking crazy. She hated my guts. Mm -hmm. Um, but my older sister and her were best friends. Mm -hmm classic fucking move on my sister's part but for some reason my sister either had already gone to sleep or wasn't in so suddenly me and nancy are watching this movie and we're like holy shit this is not for us no and we know that it was like our bonding moment of like dirty movie mm -hmm. you have to be quiet we cannot get caught mm -hmm. and also like full-on sex scenes where both <gasps> people are naked no dick but like yeah, yeah. it was mind-blowing to yeah. me and thrilling and uh oh, no, that sounds... nancy i'll always remember you <laughs> <laughs> for that exact moment is she okay she's is this her eulogy she's <laughs> no she's like she's just a you know a mother of two grown children and in, in the south and, and uh, she hates you to this day and she <laughs> she can't hate me anymore because i have secrets like how we watch summer lovers <laughs> that night in like we we just kept looking at each other with the widest like, eyes. Can you believe that? He's pouring hot candle wax on her nipples. Is it that was what adults crazy. like? Crazy. Also, I just we didn't have cable in our house, so yeah, we only yeah. got to see cable at my aunt Kathleen's house. Did yeah. I ever tell you about the time my sister and I ran into the porno room at a, at our local video store? No. You can read about it in Stay Sexy and Don't Get Murdered. <laughs> the new shared. What is it called? It's called the a shared memoir. Dual that's coming out. memoir mm. that we wrote. Pre-order it on Amazon or wherever the fuck you buy books. Anyways, yeah, we we ran into the the dirty <laughs> section and was there a man in there? Uh, I don't remember that, but we got in a lot of trouble. <laughs> it was great. It How was, long were you in there? Would you say seconds wise? So just a few seconds. I made myself stare at one video, so I'd be like, because I, I was like turning in circles, being like, oh my god. I was like, eight, I think I was like eight probably. And my sister and I were doing that, and I looked at one cover, and, I, and my sister did too. And the one that uh, I saw was called "Naked with Shoes On." <laughs> And it was just like this hot young girl and she was naked, but like had her like LA gears on. And Ew. I was like, wow, that's what's that's a good adult singing sexy. And my sister saw one that that's naked with shoes on is like, a, it's like emergency nakedness. Yeah, that's yeah. like something your house blew up and you just got knocked onto the front it's lawn. It's like that or naked from the waist down. It was yes. just like something's happening. That's bad. And, and the one bad. my sister saw was like a lady on a, a naked lady on a, um, the cover was the naked lady on a, um, chaise lounge laying out and it was called Sunny Side Up. <laughs> <laughs> and both of yes. us just eight and ten, we got in so much trouble, but it was fucking worth it. <laughs> Lee, like, what's up? The idea of you guys spinning in a circle. Yeah. Like, like ah, take something in. Oh my God. Naked with shoes on is the funniest thing I've ever heard in yeah. my life. That's what I would try to get our memoir called, but they wouldn't. You tried it. to what? Get our memoir called that. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately. But they sued us. Yeah. The porno Stay company. Sexy, don't us. get murdered. Just fit a little better. Okay. <laughs> that's what, that's what our lifetime movie will be called. Okay, good. Naked, but with shoes on. And scrunchy socks. Scrunchy socks. <clears throat> okay. So they buy third class tickets. We're back uh, now with Heidi and Christine, <laughs> okay. who are taking a ferry trip. They buy third class tickets. And so they, when they get onto the boat, they assume that means that they're not allowed to go uh, below deck or like in the inside mm -hmm. protected part. So 
they just stay out on the top deck. Um, it's a beautiful day. There's about 540 people taking that five o'clock ferry. And most of the passengers actually stayed out up on the deck so they could just take yeah. in the view because it's those, again, insane blue waters. And like, that's, you know, what a lot of people were there for. Uh-huh. The a ferry goes out into the ocean. It's, it's about a five and a half hour trip to the island. And so as they're out, and going in the open ocean Heidi walks to the front of the boat and um, at one point she looks down and realizes she can see into the control room of the boat and she notices that all the controls look really old Uh but the the few um, crew members that she's seen since she's gotten on the boat all look really really young so she that kind of weirds her out and then but the biggest thing is that there didn't seem to be anybody around there was no one in the control room and there wasn't really anybody around Mm -hmm. and so she actually said at one point she turned to christine this is heidi she turned to christine and said nobody's driving the boat i guess we're on autopilot Uh -uh. yeah foreshadowing uh right so it's about an hour or two into the trip and the winds start to get really strong and the water starts to get really choppy. Um, so Heidi gets seasick and they basically decide they're going to hunker down. They stay on the top deck. They hunker down. They get behind a thing for like a windbreak and then they and take shelter and Heidi falls asleep. So it's about now five and a half hours into the trip. So they're only two miles away from the island of Paros and it's about 1045 at night. Oh my God. Yeah. And so Christine's been reading a book and then she hears the engines change and she assumes that means like they're shifting, they're downshifting or whatever because they're about to go into port. Yeah. Um, So she wakes up Heidi and says, grab your backpack, put it on. Mm -hmm. It, It seems like we're about to get off this boat. And Heidi stands up to stretch and put on her backpack. And as she does, she turns around to see an, a humongous <gasps> craggy rock that's taking up her entire field division. So it's directly in front of the boat. They said if they walked five steps, they could have been, they could have touched it and that they basically were just about to crash into the rocks. But, but only like a moment before did they even change from being full uh-huh. full engines on uh-huh. and just remember it's nighttime oh no and they are because they're in the front they look positions uh-huh. themselves at the front of the boat they're pretty much as close to the impact point as they can be uh-huh. christine tells heidi that was so so basically uh, they they were interviewed afterwards um and i saw some of this it it was basically i think it was ap footage um but they said it was like the Titanic. Like they turned around and this rock was completely lit up. It took up all of their field of vision. It was humongous. And it was just like a movie. They, it, they said they both felt like they were on a movie set. Mm-hmm. And then they heard this horrible sound. Mm. And that was, of course, the ferry just smashing into these rocks. And the impact, they took the impact. And then they recovered from that. And uh, Christine says to Heidi, like in a way to try to calm her down it took four hours for the titanic to sink Uh and heidi says we don't have four hours this boat is going down oh my god so immediately the ferry is taking on water and it rolls to its right side and and again there's over 500 people on this ferry oh my god um all the people are screaming and running the lights inside the ferry are blinking off and on um no crew anywhere there's nobody organizing anything nobody helping anybody what the fuck they said that um 
Heidi and Christine said there were people running up and asking them for help, asking them where to go. And they didn't speak Greek or not that in any way that like if they did, it was not fluent in any way. Like they couldn't speak the language. So everyone's panicking and everybody begins running to the back of the boat, running away from the Uh impact um, and from where it hit and down to the bottom where the other exit is and where there's a couple of lifeboats. Uh They're kind of, Heidi and Christine are standing there trying to figure out what they should do. A group of five men rush past them. They knock Heidi over. Mm. She hits her head and she thinks she's going to pass out, like go unconscious, but she realizes if she does that, then that means Christine's going to have to carry her Uh body and get her onto a life so she's like i cannot pass out even though she had a fucking full-on head injury so she's so she fights to stay conscious at the same time um christine is looking around and seeing how all these panicked people are all going to the one spot and she realizes they can't go down there because they'll already they're they're last Mm -hmm. so they'll already be at the back of the group of people trying to get on those lifeboats Mm -hmm. she knows there's not enough lifeboats and they don't speak greek so they're not going to be able to like bargain their way they're not going to be able to do anything so instead they decide they're going to go up the other direction Mm. and go high away from the group there was one i swear to god but this could completely be my lying brain but there was one i saw them on a different show that wasn't i survived it was a but it was basically the same thing it was just a ripoff show and they told the same story and one of them said that that they an old Greek man gestured for them to follow him, and that's when that's why they went up upward instead of down. Creepy. And then when they turned around, he was there's mm. been no old Greek man here <laughs> since twenty five years, nineteen forty nine. But but um, you know, I couldn't find that anywhere. Yeah. I couldn't find that episode, and so that could be a completely a lie. But I don't think so because it was so the the way Christine told it in that episode was mm-hmm. so exact that and it was so like what the fuck i bet it was in summer love and you're getting them, I bet <laughs> summer you're, lovers i bet you're getting them confused <laughs> where the old the old man gestures toward a three-way come, come this to this way. threesome follow me in my sweater yeah. she's naked with shoes on so it I, I also love that this is another thing you get from the tv show i survived is people telling you what their brains did in these panic moments and i mean like in this one especially i think the reason it, it, that it struck me so much mm-hmm. the first four times i've seen it mm-hmm. is because all of the those moments like how loud that would be how yeah how like you'd lose your breath seeing your entire field division taken up with rocks yeah when you're supposed to be on a ferry it doesn't boat even in make the ocean. sense do you think that like there's part of you too now that like when something happens and you need to survive it your brain is gonna go how do you want to tell this on i survived <laughs> <laughs> it's like I, and then you do you go from there and then you just act out the story you want right to tell, yes. which is that you survive i hope so great i mean i because that's also what i love about it is there's people that tell that story and that sometimes they go like, I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah. And then sometimes they go, I don't know how I thought of doing this. Yeah. And that's what this seems to be is when Christine talks about that, she's just like, I just knew we couldn't go right. down to where everyone else that's was. Not, yeah. So they head upwards, which I fucking love. Yeah. Now, maybe the ghost Greek fishermen helped them. We don't know. Probably. But they end up 
they actually have to do the thing where they grab the railing and pull themselves <gasps> because by this point the boat is almost entirely vertical Holy in the water sinking shit. yes so they're pulling themselves up the rail and then they see that there is a lifeboat on <gasps> that side of the boat and they they end up having to jump off the ferry to jump into the lifeboat oh my god and um also in that ap footage they show they have them walk up and look at the lifeboat from when, from their rescue and it's like this 15 foot long orange it looks plastic yeah. like it's an orange plastic boat and it it has like you know those benches that are in like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. any like fishing boat it's like four of those benches long yeah and then there's this box of a pretty tall box of uh life vests on one end wow. and it's so, and the whole thing's orange. The whole thing's life fest orange. So they jump into this boat. They're 60 feet above Holy the water. Shit. Yeah. So they're, it's, you know, they're basically jumping down when they jump into the lifeboat. Oh, so it's being lowered okay. and they're like, we have, that's the, our yeah, only yeah. chance. So they jump off the ship into the lifeboat. The lifeboat hits the water and basically begins to fall apart. <gasps> um, the bench Heidi's sitting on collapses. Great. Her foot goes through the bottom of the boat. No, no. And then the boat, and then the lifeboat starts taking on water oh, through this hole in her foot. So she was trying to keep it covered. Yeah. But also then they're, trying to reach into that box of life jackets and pull as many out as they can so as many people can put on life jackets yeah. as possible because they don't know the water is crazy choppy yeah. it's really windy they don't know what's going to happen so and uh, I think it was Heidi described that the box was really tall so a after a while they are they can see that there's still more life jackets mm -hmm. in the bottom and no one can get down oh, to yeah. them so there's a couple like left at the bottom because it's just fucking like designed poorly yeah the waves at this point are 15 feet Holy high shit. and the lifeboat keeps getting smashed into the side of the ferry yeah because it's just sitting there yeah so they put their life jackets on and one man that's in the boat behind them shows them how to turn on there's emergency strobe lights mm -hmm. on all the life jackets and then they turn them all on and then they look out into the water and one by one they slowly mm. see these emergency strobe lights and there's just people floating out in the oh water my God. um another one of those moments where it's like when you're in like this disaster and these bizarre visuals yeah. like with just memories thing. yeah freak the fuck out of you so they put their life jackets on so now the fairies almost completely vertical all the people who tried to run to the top of the boat to get on la that lifeboat mm -hmm. After um, mm -hmm. Christine and Heidi, they either were got stuck in the railings or had slid back down and then are going into the water mm. as the boat is sinking on the other side. Mm -hmm. um, which I think Heidi is the one that says it's the she was just watching people either no. try to try to hang on or just sliding down and yeah. falling in. There are one or two other lifeboats in the water at this point. So I honestly think that these lifeboats are built to hold twelve people. Mm -hmm. That's what it kind of looks like. Yeah. Um, but they don't look sturdy at all yeah. like from that one clip I saw. So they start seeing people swimming toward them because they're one of the only boats. Yeah. And 
um, man in the water reaches out and Heidi reaches out and grabs his hand uh-huh. and grabs him and the people on the boat start in broken English saying no 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 too many people don't you can't get him and she was like I'm not fucking letting this guy's hand go yeah. fuck you and she wouldn't let go of him and he was just like coming on so finally everyone gave in and helped pull him onto oh the boat because she and it's very sad because they both are clearly really fucking disturbed because there's all these people that were just in the water trying to get saved. Suddenly a bright light comes on and what's happened, much like in the beautiful film Dunkirk, a commercial fisherman who were at port and heard um, the crash or the SOS call or whatever yeah. it was jump into their own fucking fishing boats and, sh- and went out there and started rescuing people Greek themselves. Fishermen. These fucking Greek fishermen. So people start getting pulled out of the water one by one uh-huh. and pulled onto these private boats. Um, thank God. 400 people were rescued Holy that night. shit. Then the weather takes a turn for the worse. The seas are too rough. A st- basically, a storm comes in no. and they have to call off the search after a while. Oh, no. So the friends and family of the missing passengers just had to go down and wait by like the Ugh. ferry building on word of where their relative or loved one was. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them never heard anything yeah. because 82 passengers <gasps> died in that ferry crash. 82 people. Holy shit. Um, and it turned out that the cap, the reason no one saw the captain is because he was asleep <gasps> and the, um, no one saw any of the crew because they were all inside watching a soccer game. No. And so the captain and four crew members were charged with murder. Oh my God. Yeah. But only the captain and the first mate were found guilty. Um, they obviously pled it down, uh, guilty of criminal negligence and serial manslaughter. And they got 16 and 19 years in jail, respectively. Holy shit. Yeah. And Heidi, at the end, Heidi and Christine say they survived because of each other, which is very sweet. But yeah, isn't that fucked that up? That is the craziest. I'm never leaving the house again. <laughs> like, I always debate whether I should or not. I kind of shouldn't. I like always I'm like, no, something bad's going to happen. And then my brain's like, no, it'll be fine. But this proves to me, don't ever go on vacation. Mm-hmm. Don't do things that you think you'll enjoy mm-hmm. and just stay at home. Great. Right. Is that the lesson? Totally uplifting. Is that the lesson I'm supposed to know? It's that trust your, count on your friends. Buy third class tickets. Stay close to the top. (laughs) Don't run in the direction other people are running. Okay. Run in a different direction. Yeah. Uh, But if seagulls are flying overhead. Yeah. Go in the direction they're going. Why? I just got that from the day after. Isn't it the day after? The Jake Gyllenhaal movie? Day after tomorrow? The day after tomorrow. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Where there's a huge tidal wave coming toward Manhattan. And so because of that, like 2,000 seagulls fly across like downtown New York City. Mm. And everyone just looks up and then keeps on going about their business. And just like that many birds. Listen to the seagulls. Listen to them. They don't just want your chips. (laughs) That's been, that was great. That was a great story. Okay, great. Thank because you. I, I will. Leave. I really needed something to to tide me over. I will leave the house again. I promise. <laughs> if you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's journey has that and more. 
June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. So this is a murder that happened in the late 80s. And I and in Orange County, and I somehow Ooh. always forget that it's a hometown of mine, and that I remember seeing it happen on the news, mm. and I remember I must have seen the made-for-TV movie about it because there's some parts of it that stick out in my brain, and I was like under ten, but like in the back of my brain of like, oh yeah, I totally remember that, and I remember being there and feeling this empathy for some of the characters, uh, and I keep coming back to it because I keep forgetting to do it, and now finally today I decided to do it hours before this we were meant to record <laughs> we're doing our best and yet i did it <laughs> you did it <laughs> I and did you made it. it so this is this crazy story of manipulation and lies and it gets turned into a fucking and rule book yes which i didn't know until i studied it today right. uh, called if you really loved me yes do you remember it it's second only to the stranger <gasps> beside me nice. if you really love me may have been the next one that came out or something it's the murder of linda bailey brown wow do you know this story i don't think so okay i just know the title of that book's really well known okay to it's me bananas okay. we should all read it next okay and i don't think we should listen to it because it's a bridge so we should read it bedside table etc it's it's a bridge. What do you mean? Abridged. Oh, a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> Terabithia. <laughs> Heard of it? I don't want to go to Terabithia. <laughs> okay, the next book we're all going to read is a bridge to Terabithia. <laughs> the end. Uh... <laughs> the fact that you had that book like right in hand is so awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's talk about 14-year-old Cinnamon Brown. Okay. Which is really hard to Google because that's the color I dye my hair. Yeah. Oh. It's yeah. kind of like, you know, and yes. so it becomes a thing. It's, it's two nouns. Yes. It's, yeah. But it's a cute name. Anyways, that's not the point of this. Okay. 14-year-old Cinnamon Brown, she seems like a typical preteen or teenager in the 1980s. She's pretty. She stays out of trouble for the most part. She's really likable, has friends, you know, things like this. Yes. Um, in the 1991 made-for-TV movie, Love, Lies, and Murder, okay. she's played by Moira Kelly. Yes. Do you know her? Moira Kelly is from the ice skating movie. Which one's that? Um, it's the... T- it's is it the ice skater and the guy who the plays... Top? No, that's the one where they do the... Uh, oh, yeah. And that was filmed at Petaluma. I'm not kidding. <laughs> What's it with called? With Sylvester Stallone. Uh, wrist wrestling wrist competition. Ra- sh- yeah. Is that what that's called? Yeah. Or no. arm wrestling. Arm wrestling. Right. We call it wrist wrestling. That's silly. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you no, made the movie, so you should know. You know the rom-com where the guy is a hockey player. Yes, that's the one. Yeah. Yes. Moira Kelly's the girl in okay. that. Okay. Um, 
she lived in Garden Grove, which yeah, Stephen knows we in Orange County call Garbage Grove. Okay. Not for any reason. It's actually a really lovely suburb, but what a great name to call it. Yeah, that's a good slam. It's very Garbage Pail Kids <laughs> yes. view. We're just kind of doing a slight twist. Right. You'll, you'll remember it from a, a Sublime song, etc. Uh, of course I will. As, you only you, Karen. <laughs> yes. Because you know the whole uh, catalog. I write the lyrics out in my notebook. <laughs> The notebook that's your favorite book yeah. <laughs> that you would only read. Okay. <laughs> All right. It's quiet summer in Orange County. Uh, she lives there with her dad. He's a 37-year-old, super wealthy computer businessman. Whatever that God, that means. sounds young to me. 30, I know. It's like people it's having young, children. It's younger than me. It's, but he's like a grown-up, too. Like, if you've seen photos of him, he's like... He's played by uh, Clancy Brown. <gasps> yes. You, uh, you mean... The owner of the Krusty Krab? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, from SpongeBob. So he, yes. he was in Pet Cemetery 2, which was what they, in the, um, in the trailer for this Maver TV movie that go, and from Pet Cemetery 2, like that's his major credit <laughs> then in 91. But then I went and looked at his IMDb and he has done so many fucking voiceovers. Like that's his thing. Yes. Right. But he's also a great actor. Yeah. He's like a, you know, one of the unsung. Yeah. Actors. Character actors. Yeah. He always plays a, like a sheriff. Yes, yes. Type of guy. Right. So he's the dad. He's a uh, 37 year old, uh, David Brown. He's a computer wizard. He had been a millionaire by the time he was 32. Like Shit. this guy, you know, he, uh, he lives with, so Cinnamon lives with him and his new wife, 23 year old Linda Marie Brown, played by Catherine DePrume. DePrume? Mm. I don't. She's in Firewalk with me, Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. Oh. As as who? I don't know. Okay. I don't but know. She nailed it. Pretty, she got into two things. Pretty blonde woman. Okay. So But still she did you say twenty four? Twenty three and he's thirty seven. Yeah. Right? And that's it's a his, bit of a that's very uh, Orange County in that era. N- yeah. Maybe. Like it, the divorce, right? Right, that's true. Second yeah. wife? Nope. Fourth wife. Hello, Clancy Brown. <laughs> Clancy What's Brown. Going on? His fourth fourth wife at thirty seven. I think it's their fourth marriage. His fourth marriage, and I think one of the other marriages was to her. So they, I love those. Yeah, the like get divorced, then get remarried. Yes, that's pretty special. It's so dramatic. It is, and, dramatic and what twist. a waste of paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of money too. Um, so. So Linda is David's fourth marriage. Um, the first, his first marriage was Cinnamon's mother that had ended in infidelity when Cinnamon was four. Mm. And so she had kind of been back and forth between her mom and dad since then. Um, and Linda, the, the wife had met David when she was just 13 or 14 years old. Ooh. Yeah. And he was in his early twenties. So Linda was living at home with her abusive alcoholic mother and her 10 fucking siblings. No. Which like isn't a thing in Orange County either, unless you're Mormon. Right? That's also, that's very fifties. It's like, yeah. Cause this, did you say it's the eighties? It's the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. That's I didn't, rare. being from Orange County, I don't think I knew anyone. There was one Mormon family that had five siblings and everyone else, like we were weird for being three. Yeah. It's like, doesn't happen. Yeah. We had the, the we had one family that, but it's Catholics. Yeah. But that's very old school Catholic. Yeah. 
So uh, David sweeps in and uh, he's like a knight in shining armor. He provides the family with food. He kind of acts like a father figure. He takes care of everyone and he throws his money around and presses, mm-hmm. and presses the alcoholic, abusive mother. Nice. As good. only a sociopath can do. She, <laughs> and she's real tough to please. Yeah, because you know how hard that is. Yeah. So David tells the mother that he's dying of colon cancer. He only has six months to live. He's really weak, so he's having a hard time uh, around the house. Can, can Linda her teenage her like 13 14 year old daughter oh. and another one of uh, linda's little sisters come help around the house his house he'll uh, pay them for wow. help out and the mom's like great i'm an alcoholic i have a ton of other kids to worry about yeah take get them out of here great great um then it, so miraculously though david beats the cancer that he never had <laughs> Jesus There's, It's a very special Place in hell For the people That claim to have cancer right. And do not No totally um, And by then Linda who's 15 At this point Is in love Madly in love with David There are They're having A sexual relationship At this point Oh shit Yeah so he's in his 20 Late 20s now She's 15 That's pedophilia Uh huh And yeah. Linda's in love with him So uh, Finally at 17 She gets permission To marry David And Uh Let's see. They get back to, they get together. Linda brings, Linda moves in with David and brings her little sister, Patty, to live with Cinnamon, who now lives with her dad, David. Okay. And Linda. So Cinnamon, uh, Patty is two years older than Cinnamon. Okay. Um, and Cinnamon had been struggling with her parents' divorce. They admittedly used her as a pawn between the two of them to get back at each other. Um, and Linda, the wife's now 23. She had had a, just had a baby girl seven months before oh. named Crystal. Okay. So does that all make sense? There's a lot of g- girls' names. Going yes, on. I think so. Patty's the little sister. Cinnamon is the original daughter. Yeah. She's the, the OD. Uh-huh. Um, there's a new baby named Crystal, which is makes it what? 1986? Hang on now with a K. No, no. Absolutely with a K. Come on. That's such a period of time. Orange County. That's right. What up, Crystal? What's up, Crystal? And all crystals with a K across the nation. Yes. What up? Hi, gals. <laughs> so, uh, da, da, da. all right. So that's where everything stood the morning, in the early morning hours of March 19th, 1985. Wow. Here that's we are. Really close. Four years old, like 20 minutes away, sleeping probably. Yes. Let's hope. God. When Cinnamon woke up in the middle of the night, so she's 14, wakes up in the middle of the night, walks into her stepmother Linda's bedroom, where Linda's sleeping alone, David's not there, she points a 38 caliber gun uh, to Linda's chest and shoots her point blank with two silver-tipped bullets. Oh my god. Yeah. 14-year-old Cinnamon. I was trying to guess. You were wrong. It's not. No, that wasn't in there. <laughs> yeah. Police are called and they get there and find David, uh, the father, who at the time of the shooting had been at a local convenience store. Uh, he, it's confirmed by the store clerk that he was there buying comic books and prepackaged fruit pies, which absolutely signed me up for that. I mean, yeah, that's what that's what a convenience store is for. Right. And and so he's standing there with his wife's younger sister patty um who i think is 17 at the time Mm -hmm. and patty's holding the baby they're both distraught they're saying patty's saying david said i got home patty told me she heard some gunshots and she's freaking out i'm too scared to go in the back bedroom and look what 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 happened i can't go back there i peeked in and i saw uh linda's arm hanging off the bed and some blood but i'm just i 
I'm too freaked out to go back there. Um, and so they, uh, they take Linda. She's still breathing. Oh. They pack her up and take her to the hospital, but she dies pretty quickly after that. Yeah. From the uh, gunshot wounds. And Cinnamon is nowhere to be found. Um, officers scour the neighborhood and they can't find her. They call her friends and her, to see if they're with, she's with her friends. Friends are all fucking shocked to hear about this because to them and to Cinnamon's mother, this is not like Cinnamon at all. She's yeah. a sweet, kind, funny girl. She's obedient to her father who she adores and just like is such a huge fan of her dad's. They said that Linda and Cinnamon seem to get along. So they don't know why she would shoot her stepmother. Um, and also that she seemed a lot younger than her 14 years. She was kind of a, you know, an, not immature, but what's the innocent, innocent kinda? child. Yeah. yeah. Wow. But finally at around 5 a.m., and this is the part that I remember hearing the first time as a five or six-year-old being like, picturing it perfectly in my mind, and I can still see what I saw then. Around 5 a.m., an officer is in the backyard of the house and notices that there is a figure laying in the doghouse. There's a backyard. There's a doghouse. He sees something going on in there. There he finds 14-year-old Cinnamon. She's frail and scared. She's nearly comatose curled in the field position. She'd been there for hours and was soaked in her own urine and also surrounded by her own vomit in which are these tiny orange pills from the three bottles of pills she had swallowed to try to overdose on after the shooting. In her hand, she's clutching a crumpled suicide note and it reads, Dear God, please forgive me. I didn't mean to hurt her. Oh, no. They take her to the hospital. Just kidding. They take her to the police station. No. They take her directly to the police station. Even though she's continuing to vomit from her uh, overdose. Uh, yeah. Medics check her and say, no, it's okay to continue with questioning her. She's, o- she's okay. Jesus Christ. So she admits that she fired the gun that killed her stepmom. Uh, she said she didn't get along with her. And Linda had told her she was going to kick her out of the house. And she thought Linda was jealous of her relationship with her dad and that Linda had threatened to kill her if she didn't move out. And that's why she did it. Jesus. And that's what she tells them. Her condition starts to deteriorate. So she's finally taken to the fucking hospital. And there she's handcuffed to the hospital bed. She's f- starting to go uh, to fall into unconsciousness when she starts to mumble some stuff. And so a nurse is like what this sounds like something like um it sounds rehearsed, like she's repeating a list. I'm going to write it down. Mm. So she writes down this. Haven't slept in 24 hours. Had an accident. Killed my stepmom. Killed my stepmother. Didn't want to do it. on. Didn't do it on purpose. Didn't mean to. She was hurting me. She hated me. She wanted to kill me. She wanted me out of the house. And then she falls into unconsciousness. Ugh. But she does survive and she's okay. So according to David, her dad, Linda the stepmom and cinnamon had gotten in a fight that night as they often did. They often bickered and Linda had sent cinnamon to what, where she stayed and like slept and hung out. There was like a travel trailer in the back. I don't know, like an airstream kind of a thing. I'm right. assuming mm-hmm. where cinnamon slept and lived because the house was so small. She'd come in for food and like to use the bathroom and stuff like that. So Linda had sent her to her trailer and, uh, they and so David and Linda had continued fighting. He stormed out of the house, which is why he was gone when this thing took place. Mm. And when he finally got home is when he found Patty uh, saying that there had that something happened that Linda had that she had heard shots in Linda's room and that cinnamon had also tried to shoot her because there was one bullet 
in uh, Patty's room, too. Oh. So there were three shots. Shit. Um, but when they questioned David again 24 hours after the incident, his story changes in slight ways that contradict what Patty is saying. Mm. And uh, so Patty had said that after Linda had gone to sleep, Cinnamon had come to her and, with a gun and was like, hey, can you show me how to use this? Which is like, don't do it. What? Right? But she shows her how to use it, doesn't think anything of it, and goes to bed. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. Okay. Of course, this seems totally fucking fishy to detectives, mm-hmm. right? Yes. But Cinnamon's admitting everything. She's saying that, uh, that, uh, she did it. She wanted her, her, uh, stepmom dead. And, but she couldn't give them a good reason why. She just said she wanted to and she told him exactly what happened. And David did tell them that it fit with her current mental state because a couple weeks earlier she had tried to OD on aspirin. So it was like maybe she was depressed or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, she goes to juvie she goes straight from the hospital to juvie and on august 7th 1985 cinnamon's trial begins so she pleads not guilty by reason of insanity at this point she's interviewed by psychiatrist and she doesn't remember anything about it okay at night or why she would have done it she doesn't know anything um and the psychiatrist who's treating her says that she didn't know right from wrong the night of the murder Ooh, but uh and her original story from the night of the murder when they took her straight from the fucking doghouse to the, the police station is actually not uh, admissible. So they don't have that anymore. What they do have, though, is the nurse's testimony and what the nurse wrote down about what she was babbling while she was fucking incoherent, basically. Right. And so the, the prosecution uses that. And with that, uh, she is found guilty of first degree murder. Mm. Yeah. Her father doesn't show up to her trial. What? She thinks that, you know, maybe he's mad at her for killing his wife, which is like... Sure. Okay. But David does show up at the sentencing hearing, but detectives are like skeeved the fuck out by this dude because they he's like smiling and acting like a little kid. His ex-wife is sitting in the chair, you know, Cinnamon's mom in front of him and he's like kicking at it and like pulling her hair flirtatiously and shit. And he's just being a fucking weirdo. And they're just like, this is weird. This dude's weird. That's so uncomfortable. Isn't it creepy? That's crazy. Yeah, that's your boy, Clancy. (laughs) Way to go. (laughs) Um, So, Cinnamon is sentenced to 27 years to life for the murder of her stepmother, but because she's a juvenile, she's sent to a youth facility until no later than 25 years old. Mm -hmm. So... The That happens. Great. Okay. The original investigator on the case with the DA, Jay Newell, had never felt comfortable about this at all he knew there was something fucking going on here that was more than what cinnamon was telling them yeah but she was a minor and so he kind of just kept an eye on everyone he would put um he would put it's like straight up like the sinner the first season of the sinner i was just gonna say it's, doesn't it sound it's like Bill that? Pullman. Or she, remember she was just like no i just killed him i just yeah. killed him i'm going away i don't want to talk about it and he's like there's something fucking going on yeah like remember when he was like show me how to shoot this heroin up yeah that's she right was like, i don't know how it's like, yeah i fucking knew it um <laughs> So he keeps at her, though, and he also continues to visit her, and Juvie just is like a friend, because her dad stops visiting her. Oh, the noblest of cops. I know. Uh, The noblest of, like, homicide detectives. Right. The ones who, the person they're supposed to be trying to to get found a guilty charge against, and if their gut is wrong... 
they're actually they don't want to, to. Yeah, they don't want not. it. They don't want that guilty charge if it doesn't count. Yeah, because n- normal people with ethics are like, no, we want justice to be served. Right. We want the right person to be in jail, right. not just someone to right. be in jail. Especially if it's a fucking 14-year-old girl. <sighs> so, and he puts money in her commissary, makes sure she's taken care of and shit. Um, meanwhile, her dad's rich as shit, but he's not doing that. He's just gone. Yeah. Um, so, meanwhile... Patty and David, the David, the dad, and Patty, the sister of the now dead wife, Linda. Don't tell me. No, no. They're okay. they're living together. Okay. So they continue living together. Baby Crystal with a K is still like she's taking care of her. The house is falling apart. So a friend of Linda's offers to help come over and like pack up Linda stuff and take care of some things around the house. I think she's played by um, what's her face from Sex in the City. Kim Cattrall. No, do not guess another Cynthia one. Cynthia Nixon? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's played by her, I believe. She notes that Patty is taken to wearing Linda's clothing. 17-year-old Patty is wearing her dead older sister's clothing. She's sitting in her in Lin, what was Linda's chair, and she'd replace all of Linda's pictures with pictures of herself. Oh, uh, w- that's not necessary. Mm-mm. You can have, you can keep the pictures and then add more pictures. And actually, the story reminds me a lot of the story from The Teacher's Pet. Yes. That really great podcast that we should all listen to. Um, Amazing. If you haven't listened to The Teacher's Pet, Ugh. you absolutely have to. It's from The Australian, yes. the newspaper The Australian. And it's just done so well. And uh, it's one of those things, too, where it's like, this is this is Red Flag City. Yes. But no one ever noticed it. In the, in the 80s, Red Flag City hadn't been established Mm-mm. yet because... If you if there would be nobody there to to raise the red flag right. because it, everything was like mind your mind own business. Your own business. I yeah. don't want to. Yeah, the fucking eighties were a red flag. They were tough. The whole thing was a red flag. Sorry, can I just ask really yes. quick? Do you remember who played the cop that was trying to be on Cinnamon's side? No, because they don't they don't name the cop's real name. You know what I mean? So I couldn't find this guy Jane Newell. It was like it was like Sergeant something else. It wasn't oh, oh, like right. you know what I mean. And it was there was multiple. So I bet you sure. could find it. Okay, if Stevens wants to look, can you? Can Stevens you? Stevens found it. Oh shit! Well, he's I was going to say there's um there is a Sergeant Patterson. That's probably him. and he's a. Paul Holes-ish kind of looking fellow. <laughs> he reminds oh. me of a Paul Holes. John type. John M. Jackson. Here's his John IMDb. John M. Jackson played him. Who's that? Uh, he, you know, all these people. John Ashton, Nestor Serrano. You've seen all these people. Yeah. On every TV like all show. Character actors from forever and ever. Yes, exactly. Amen. Yeah. Um, they were on like one episode of like uh, what's a show? L.A. Law. Yeah. <laughs> John Ashton, you've seen on tons of stuff. Okay. There's a couple of them. And Nestor Serrano also has been in a million. Okay. He's always the detective, especially okay. if it happens in L.A. Yes. Love it. Okay. So, meanwhile, they're all living together. The, the fucking friend is like skeeved out by this shit. Tabby so also gets jealous of this friend when David and her are, if they're ever like alone together. Bad. It's just like this something fucking ain't right here. She's she is convinced at this point. She gets the fuck out of there. She's like, I think Patty fucking killed her, killed Linda. I don't think Cinnamon did it, but whoa, she leaves and sticks, sticks to her own business, right? Because it's the eighties. So, all right, let's cut to three and a half years. 
uh, of cinnamon living at the California Youth Authority, mm. fucking ju- what was known as Juvie, right? Yeah. And I, I remember being really scared of going to Juvie in Orange County because I, the stories I heard from there as a young, rebellious teen were like terrible. It was like, you can do shitty things, but don't do anything shitty enough to end up in Juvie because no. you won't make it. <laughs> well, also, I think people get a very romantic. Teenagers yeah. can be very romantic about like, oh, I'm going to get rested and that's going to yeah, make yeah. me this and it's going to make me that. And it's like, no, it's going to break your fuck. Yeah, I don't want to deal with the other girls in fucking juvie. They won't like me. There's a lot of hair pulling in juvie. There's a lot of insulting. That's right. They'll be mean. They'll be mean. They'll pinch you. But then they also might make you sad. Oh, my God. And what if you have a bond with them? I did go to rehab in Santa Ana with, like, girls, rehabby, like juvie girls and were they, they were fun? all lovely sweet very fucking traumatized girls yeah and the stories that they told a group were heartbreaking even as a 13 year old i was like oh i better fucking get my shit together yeah they were really sad shit so uh beep, boop, bop, bop, da, 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 da. three and a half years in cinnamon is now 18 and jay's been sticking around our cop dude and he can sense that she's ready to start talking and like maybe he stuck around for three years he's just been like checking in on her and shit oh, god bless him bless his heart uh, bless his he'll be played by paul holes um <laughs> in the movie we're writing about it so he consents she's ready to talk about what happened but there's some uh he knows david's no longer visiting and he is like i know how to how to get her to talk and that is to tell her what's really going on in her with david right now Oh, no. He's like, once she finds out, she's like, I think she's been covering for David. Yeah. For her father. Yeah. Who she fucking adores and like thinks the sun shines out as fucking asshole. Okay. So what she tells him is this. What he tells her is Is this. this. So number one, after Linda's death, David from the four life insurance policies he had taken out on Linda, Mm. his wife, Mm -mm. got almost one million dollars in life insurance money sorry and he already was a millionaire yes and so he'd been living the fucking high life he had multi-million dollar homes in orange county he was fucking living it up buying all the sweet shit um in his multi-million dollar home where he lives as i said with his former sister-in-law patty now 20 years old Mm -hmm. guess what what right before uh, cinnamon sentencing patty and david got married yeah, I could see that one coming, even though it was the creepiest option yep. of all. It always is. You <laughs> sensed it. Yeah. So that's his sixth marriage. Or, yeah, his sixth marriage. Second within that family. Yep. Uh, guess what? They now have a baby daughter together. Oh, no. Um, so Cinnamon Brown is like, okay, fuck this dude. Yes. Like, clearly, this guy has been using me. I'm fucking talking. She tells authorities that her father orchestrated the entire scheme and Patty was involved in it too. Whoa. Um, she realizes that she's been totally conned by her dad and she tells him that the truth is that David is a fucking crazy manipulative manipulative dude. It's almost like he's he can easily lead this cult. He was into young girls and he would manipulate them and tell him these crazy things and he was just really good at that stuff. Total sociopath. He had brainwashed his daughter into believing that Linda, David's wife, was going to kill him her him. Wait. David convinced cinnamon that linda was trying to kill him him yeah so and that they had he and patty together told cinnamon for months that they needed her to kill linda or david was either gonna get killed or he'd have to leave town and never see her again because he'd had to run from linda what the fuck yeah um he told 
they, they hounded her for months that they needed her help. And, uh, they convinced her that as a minor, she wouldn't get any jail time for the murder. She'd maybe have to get some fucking therapy, but that was it. And he said, if you really love me, you'll do this for me. I'm your father and I know it's best. Oh my God. Yeah. And they, they said that Linda was trying to kill him to get his money in his business. But what was really happening is he's having an affair with a teenager and trying to get rid of his already very young wife. Mm-hmm. Who just had the other baby who he was obsessed with since she was a teenager or had been fucking since she was a teenager too. Now that she's 20 something and has a baby, he's not interested anymore. Cause he's a straight up pedophile. Similarly to the, the uh, teacher's pet story. Yes. And now he's trading her in for her fucking younger teenage sister. Wow. Yeah. That's evil. And a great way to do it is to get your daughter who is young and naive by everyone's account to do it for you. To commit murder hold on okay it gets worse no yeah um cinnamon says the night of the murder patty told her that she had overheard linda on the phone saying like we need to kill david right away and so that in the middle of the night david woke patty and cinnamon up and said said to them girls it has to be done tonight oh my god he originally told cinnamon that she uh, needs to make it seem like she tried to kill herself out of guilt of the murder. So he says she needs to, once she kills Linda, she needs to shoot herself in the head. Oh my God. But just graze your head so it looks like a suicide attempt. Um, it'll be just a scratch, he tells her. Uh, but she says she's too scared. He, and so instead he says, okay, how about instead take these three bottles of pills? Um, you, they're not enough to kill you. You'll be fine. And so she does that. So she says she swallows the pills. She sees her dad drive away. And then she goes down to the doghouse. And from there, she hears the three gunshots inside the house as Patty killed the sister. Wait. But... So the case is reopened. They need corroboration. So they get cinnamon to wear a wire. They have David come to visit. She's like, I'm, I can't, I'm freaking out. I don't know. You told me I wouldn't get any time. Why am I still here? You said I wouldn't be here for long. And, um, he had been, so he won't admit to it though. And he continues to try to manipulate her. He tells her that Patty can just come take her place. He can work it out. Um, to s- just have them choose switch place what and like, fuck? she'll t- come take care of, like, come take the rest of the time. Yeah. Um, and they can convince everyone that Patty was the killer. He can arrange for it. Um, but then Jay, who's listening on the wire, is like, something's fucking off about this. Cinnamon is not telling you the truth. I yeah. can tell. So, so she finally admits that she actually was the one who pulled the trigger. But everything else is true. They fucking manipulated her into doing it. She w- didn't understand what's going to happen. Um she said David, her dad, gave her a pillow and told her to hold it over the trigger uh, when shooting Linda. And then said to them, you girls take care of business while I'm gone and left. So, so Cinnamon had gone in, held the pillow up, shot her once, but the pillow had jammed the gun. So she brings it back over into Patty's room and is like, I don't know what's happening with this gun. It goes off. Which is why there was a shot in her room. Oh, uh-huh. like make, apparently like grazing, almost hitting Crystal, the baby. <gasps> she's fine Um, but then they hear Linda moaning in the other room because she's still alive she goes back in and shoots her one last time oh no then she takes the pills and goes down to the doghouse Jay asked Cinnamon if David had shown her if David was the one to show her where to shoot yourself in the head when he was like you'll graze your head and Cinnamon says yeah and that's when she realizes 
that if she had shot herself the way he showed her to do it, it wouldn't have grazed her. It would have killed her. Yes. And that's when she realizes he was trying to kill her too. Um, and in fact, the pills she took, the only reason she didn't die from them is because she threw up in the doghouse. Yeah. So she absolutely would have died from the, the pills. Um, she realizes that's what's going on. Then they realize that, she, that he had insurance policies out against her too. Of course. So he was trying to kill both of them. Oh, God. Yeah. And pin the whole thing on his daughter that he killed. He's a fucking psycho. Psycho. Like, Anne Rule, I think, was more afraid of him than he was. she was of Ted Bundy. <laughs> she said he was, like, the biggest manipulator or sociopath she's ever seen. Well, and also just to, to just keep on doing it within the family. Yeah. Within the family. I mean, there is something really especially heinous about it. It gets worse, worse. Oh, my God. Yep, sorry. Okay. So I like it. <laughs> I know, right? Um, Patty and David are arrested. Patty's 20 by now. They're arrested, and David frantically writes to Patty to try to keep her loyalty to him in, in prison. Yeah. But she turns on him, too, when she hears uh, the wiretap of him saying, we'll get Patty to take the blame for it. <laughs> Fuck this shit. This guy's he an isn't, idiot. He's not smart. He's not for, smart. Like, what a super monster he is. Also, it's funny in, like, those, just, like, a sociopath or whatever, psychopath, but, like, that... The, the charm doesn't really work on paper. It's like, yeah. it really is a person to person, face to face thing. So like the idea that he's trying to put all that manipulation and yeah. charm down on the page. Well, what, what doesn't, what we understand about, uh, controlling people is that the reason that people like this who are crazy controlling make you not have any friends and family, like, around you anymore is because the minute you're not in that in that person's like orbit anymore it all falls apart and cracks yes. because of reality and if you have like just one bitchy friend that's like sorry that guy's got fucking weird eyes yeah, i don't like him he leans in too far when he's talking totally and he acts like he, he's in love with you and he's fucking lying yeah exactly yeah that's right that's why you always have to be the, the friend who hates your friend's boyfriend you have to it's for their own <laughs> it's good. for their own good unless what I don't know. I was Unless just you're to... the psychopath. <laughs> what <laughs> if you're, you're the trying shitty to get friend? that boyfriend? What if you're the friend who's a sociopath and he's like, your friend's a fucking sociopath? I mean, there's all these possibilities of who I could be. <laughs> I have all the choices in the world. He didn't mean you. Specifically. No, <laughs> but you, you know. do always tell me to break up with Vince. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, he is hurting you behind your back. <laughs> Listen, I only hit on him to see if he would do anything about it. <laughs> And he did it, which it means a he's test. a good guy. It was a test. I'm so happy for you. It was a test. Um, I made it up. <laughs> so, uh, so he's trying to get her to not talk, but she turns on him too. So thank God. And part of the reason is because, uh, when she got, so when they got married, he was like, it's secret. Don't tell anyone because of course the police would be like, what the fuck? But also cause she was a child and everyone would judge him. So yes. she, first, she did that. Then she got knocked up by him and he was like, we're telling everyone that you had an affair and it's not my kid. Cause you're too young and it's creepy. That's only after he tried to get her to get an abortion. And she was like, fuck no, but tell everyone that some other dude knocked you up. God. Um, and he makes, he refuses to pay for any of the, uh, the baby having business, you know, <laughs> medical costs. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and sorry, the super millionaire. Uh -huh. He's was, like, you have to pay for it. He's even it. more of a millionaire because of his murders. Yeah. And he's like, sorry. That she helped fucking uh, make happen. Yes. That would not have happened without her. Right. Jesus Christ. So when their daughter's Heather, Heather, Heather is born, their daughter is Heather's born, he refuses to pay medical um, or have anything to do with her. But he does take out hundreds of thousands of dollars of life insurance on the baby. 
So oh she's my like, God, you know what? Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Go back. She tells police that they'd been planning the murder of her sister for three years together and that uh, Cinnamon hadn't even brought into the last two months. Whoa. They had tried, Lynn, uh, Patty had tried to kill her sister once too, but she couldn't go through with it. She chickened out. So instead they're like, let's have Cinnamon do it. She's a minor. Convince her to do it. Then Patty drops. All right, here's the last. It gets worse. Okay. She tells them that David had been molesting her since she was 11 years old. Oh my God. So this is when I kind of don't it kind of clears her she was just as big of a pawn as he was as, yes. as cinnamon was that yes. entire time yeah so she'd been manipulated and controlled probably longer than cinnamon had yes and cinnamon, being victimized and abused right and sorry do we know that cinnamon was not molested that never ever came out yeah. and i don't think so yeah um it, it almost seems like she was off limits somehow in like a, p- a pawn in the with the ex-wife right uh, who fucking knows maybe yeah yeah no you know? no i it oh my god i know like he it, it wouldn't surprise me this guy's a monster also just the, the sad thing we were just talking about this before we started to, um recording but it's that horrifying thing of like when those pedophiles and the, those predators they pick people who have divorced parents they pick kids who don't have advocates that stand around going right. get the fuck out of here yeah they make sure to pick the Women 11th left- child of the alcoholic family well it turns out that uh she had left her alcoholic mother's house when she left to move in with David and Linda because she had been molested at that house. Oh. I'm sure some dude who rolled through. Right. So yeah, she was, you know, just this vic, this clear victim and was taken advantage of by this fucking monster. And I feel like if that is normalized to you at such a young age, then when he's, it's like, it's not, um, uh, it to that child's mind, that's a norm. Well, David, David's- David told her lots of men did that to teach young women about sex. That's what he told her. This is normal. So he just normalized all of that victimization. And then like the brainwashing was just the natural next step. Yeah. And she lived in the house with him. There's no way for her to like escape it. He's supposed to be a father. Right. Type. It's it's disgusting. All horrifying. Yeah. Um, And then then, you know, they they then at 15 saying like we need to get rid of your sister because i'm in love with you and i want you to be the wife like so that her obsession of getting rid of her sister has to do with being special keeping this guy who's been the one that you know quote unquote take care of her and quote unquote love her right where if you have a life where you know no one ever loved you or acted like they loved you then you've got some millionaire with stars in his eyes over you so it's so sad too to think of linda the wife who had no idea in her mind this fucking knight in shining armor came and saved her she had a baby and she was you know and she was saving her little sister and she got a raised cinnamon who by all accounts she actually did get along with oh and so she just had no idea that she was in an insanely unsafe situation and 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 had no chance to escape it it was just like the fucking cobra was right there yeah. in the house it's so it's so awful isn't it so um now in jail david okay now in david's in jail okay he is gonna go to trial for all this shit he hires a fellow inmate a fellow prisoner to kill the orange county uh, deputy district attorney jeffrey robinson Ooh. investigator jay newell are paul holes of the story shit and to also kill the third victim his fucking uh ex his wife patty 
So he hires him to ki- this dude to kill all these people because um, she, she'd become a key witness at this point. Right. Uh, jailhouse snitch. Fuck it. Snitches get uh, lollipops, as we always say. <laughs> snitches get candy. It was like, guess what? And so that, thank God, didn't happen. So at the trial... Uh, also, just sorry about the ego of that. Of yeah. Like, I'm not just going to kill the de- the deputy district attorney. Which is like, good luck. Huge. Yeah. Like, you think you wouldn't get caught. But I'm also going to kill... Like people who are doing their jobs because you're a monster and terrifying and you're where you're supposed to be and And you're going to kill them because you're mad at them for fucking doing their jobs. For doing their jobs and keeping you the super psycho in the place you need to be. Right. And top of which, it's that idea that a person that's that psychotic would also have that much money. Yeah. That's what's scary. Oh, yeah. Because I'm sure it's that thing, that Trump thing of like, anyone will do anything I say because I have so much money, I buy people off and I buy, 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 buy. fucking true. Yeah. Once you can just throw money at anyone you don't have to be you know a good person not at all you don't want to you get anything you want that's right so gross um so at the trial both cinnamon and patty testify against him so according to cinnamon's testimony and this is why this book is called that the thing her father would say repeatedly to gain her cooperation uh in the murder scheme was he would repeat if you loved me you would do this for me yeah if you loved me you'd do this like so that's how it worked um an Orange County jury took less than seven hours to convict David Brown on first degree murder for a financial gain and conspiracy conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Um, the judge said that he was worse than Charles Manson. Oh, shit. He was like, I've, I've never I, I've never seen a bigger fucking sociopath, even Charles Manson than wow. you. Yeah. Um, because Charles Manson did it to fucking strangers. You know what I mean? Like you did this shit to fucking people who love you. That's right. And trust you and are your family like your own daughter. Yeah. Uh, and that orders David, who's at this point 37 years old, to spend the rest of his life in prison with no chance of parole. In May of 1989, Patty, who is now 21, she pleads guilty and is sentenced to the same youth facility that Cinnamon was at for about the same amount of time, 25, into the age of 25. Um, she's released when she's 25. Um, Cinnamon was released in February of 1992. She got paroled. So she was still in there at 21. She's finally released. So Cinnamon had served eight years in the, uh, in juvie. Jesus Christ. So both Patty and Cinnamon went on to marry and have children. And it seems like they keep kind of quiet. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. And in March of 2014, David Brown at 61 years old died of natural causes in prison. Good. Yep. And that is the story of the murder of Linda Bailey Brown. God damn. Yep. That was every how which way I, but loose. How did I never do that? It's like my hometown murder that I remember from fucking childhood. Yeah, hometown. That's crazy. Dude. God, that's... I mean, it was just all the bad things all in one thing. Things. He victimized every fucking woman that came yeah. near him and his family. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Young I'm girl excited that he's he manipulated me to manipulated and I mean truly like a cult like, you know, cult leader mentality. Yes. yes. And really so merciless. Yeah. Just like really just an unrepentant pedophile. Yeah. A, a selfish, greedy. How fucking many more millions of dollars do you need? Totally. Totally. You psycho. It's just so bananas. Um Whew. So let's all read the book. And rule book. And rule books. I'm sure there's just a ton more horrible information in there. Yeah, I bet there is. Yeah. And the and the annual twist, which is how she 
explains thing in that explains things in that loving motherly way. Mm-hmm. Oh. And I think she interviews him in prison too. Interviews him. Uh huh. Oh shit. Um, or, yeah, I have to read that book. Now. Or we can just watch uh, the movie Love Lies and Murder. <laughs> It's on YouTube. It's like oh shit, two and a half hours long or Guys, some shit. That's a, that's I could take that, download that for the plane flight. Yeah, dude. Hey. hey, all right. So, what's your fucking hooray? Um, today? I will say this. Now, yoga has gone to the wayside oh, a bit. Totally, but but only because I've started my new swimming regimen. <gasps> I was, um, I did it all this week, every morning. Karen! I got up in the morning and swam, and thank you. I'm so happy for you. Thank you so much. I know, it felt really good. I don't know, I finally put it together when we were, um, when we were away on our, on the last tour weekend. I was like, I need, I need to do something because this, like the, the foot thing is really fucked up. Right. And I just don't feel good. I don't like the way I look. So I want to feel better. And then I was like, I texted my dog sitter because she stays with my dogs at the house. Mm-hmm. And I was like, do me a favor. Would you just flip on that pool heater for me? Because I was like, You're why so smart. spend the money on the thing that that's actually going to be like help you and be, you know, right, th- right outside your door. Yeah. And so I the first morning it was pretty cold um, by today. When I got in it today, it was like cozy warm mm. how it, many laps because i have a pool i can use too how many i mean i just put on my i put on the um stopwatch for and i just let it go to a half an hour and you just go back and forth back and forth and i try to do i stop and tread water and try to do things with my legs to stretch out the muscle mm. on the back of my leg because mm-hmm. that's the reason that that the plantar fasciitis is or fasciitis is so bad um so i just am trying to do a lot of leg work mm-hmm. um and uh, treading water but then I just do I start off with like at least 10 laps of kind of dog paddling where I keep my head above that's all that matters is you're moving yes exactly and it's like and swimming is full body and you can kind of do way more like I should say I can do way more than normal because it doesn't feel so like ugh. Every and you're not like I'm sweating gross. you don't you can't tell yeah, what I love about gross. swimming too is that you can't listen to anything so it's kind of the zen in your head Yes. Moment. It clears you out really good. Mm-hmm. And for me, like it, the, it is such a good stress reliever. Yeah. Cause I've just been feeling, as you well know, so stressed out lately and have for so long. It's been like this cumulative, like two year stress yeah. that's been so hard for both of us. Um, at times. Well, oh. What are you talking about? Oh. <laughs> I've had a great couple. Of- <laughs> yeah. Uh, and gratitude. So but I mean, gratitude. like the stress is tough and I just, if I just keep eating fucking pizza about it, yeah. it'll only go one way. <laughs> keep pizza and so, yeah. So it's just like, I, um, I've been doing that every morning. And then I also, at one point I ordered a robe, Mm. um, when I was getting some clothes for New York, I was like, Oh, I'm also going to get a robe. That's like a towel. So I can just get out of the pool and and have a big thirsty robe on. Look at you. So that's my new, I still want to do yoga, but my plan is to lose the initial weight and then get into like getting really flexible. Whatever works for you. Yeah. Um, I love that. Me too. It's fun. I want to say, because this is, we're recording this Saturday night. And so by Thursday, a lot of shit might have gone down in uh, the Supreme Court. In the world, yes. And so we don't want to seem like we're ignoring it. I just want to let everyone know. That's it's, a very good point. It's been a really fucking shitty week. And listen, 
we support Dr. Ford 100%. And if anyone's fucking surprised by that, you haven't listened to this podcast. <clears throat> There's also watching that we we spent the entire day at work watching yeah. that testimony. It speaks for itself. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing. Is this isn't political for us. This is a, believing a woman's fucking truth. And, and also seeing a man's behavior and knowing that that is indicative of something, especially like as we have all listened to one million of these stories and watched one million true crime shows, a person with that level of indignant like rage that's right there. Because you're talking about Kavanaugh's rage. No, <laughs> yeah. Kavanaugh's rage because from the beginning the way he was talking about how hard it's been for him and his family it was so, so self-obsessed yeah. so fucking self serving he never apologized to his family he didn't say right he was like you're doing it to my family it's like but what about what I'm, you did yeah. you're you stepped into this limelight you're trying to get this you're you're here for this job you're trying to get this fucking job and then this is your past so you yeah. have an apology to make right we've all, all, all every woman i know including us we've been through some shit like this yes similar to what dr ford is talking about mm-hmm. and we know when we fucking see in a woman's eye and her voice and her story that she's being honest because it's vulnerable and terrifying but it's important to tell the story so uh, yeah, I, and I, I, I would just like to say this too, because there was there's been a couple good threads on Twitter about this. The thing that people keep missing that I think there's these people that keep arguing like it's the calendars from 30 years ago. It doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter what was in his yearbook. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It, technically, perhaps. But what we're trying to talk about is the difference between a good man and a bad man. Right. We're trying to delineate and just decide, is this person a, a Supreme Court justice who can be neutral, who can make decisions, who won't bring in biases, who won't bring in secret hatreds, what issues? This man has serious fucking issues with women. Mm-hmm. And you know that because of his find him, finger him, fuck him and forget him. All the shit that was in that yearbook is all there. It's all coded wording mm-hmm. for different ways to be shitty to women. I think of the good men, you know, did they ever talk like that when they were in fucking high school? No, no, no. Steven never put four F's in his fucking. I mean, and also how lame. There's so many great men that when girls are drunk at a party, they take them home and put them to bed mm-hmm. and as one of these threads that i was reading on twitter put some gatorade by it next to their yeah. bed and say good night i'll see you tomorrow that's right it happens it's this is not the standard that we have to accept in fucking men at all and by accepting this person into the highest fucking lifetime you know order position yeah is telling other women that that it does not fucking matter what happens to them. And it does not matter if this, if you get victimized, it doesn't matter if you, uh, in, in your life were ever victimized. It doesn't matter. The, the only thing that matters is what, what happens to these men. Yeah. I just so we are not skipping over this important thing we're just behind we a don't couple know days yeah. I mean and we're still angry from last week it was really fucking depressing or maybe not you know what my fucking array is my friend Jocelyn Hughes who's this lovely gal texted me and a couple girls and, and said that day uh, I would have texted you but it was during the day at work and it was going to get drinks during the day of, yeah. I can't handle this anymore does anyone want to get drinks nice so I sat around some really great gals and uh, we talked instead of watching for a while and it was really soothing and Good. it's nice to be uh you know as we always say like g- we're each other's allies we are not we are not each other's uh 
competitors. Competitors, yeah. yeah. And so yeah. being surrounded by a bunch of rad chicks who I know to differing agree- degrees have all been through something like this in their lives uh, was really great. And then I went and saw Very Be- smart. Beck at the Bowl and it was really fucking great. Saw Beck at the Hollywood Bowl. Nice. Great. Yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's also a good point is do things, if you're experiencing this, feeling, feeling triggered by it, feeling stressed by it, feeling upset, reach out, get around people that understand what you're talking about. Don't be around people that will argue with you. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't engage or spend time with people that go, doesn't matter. And this is a liberal. Whatever. Don't, don't put mm-hmm. yourself through it. Take care of yourself. Be around people who understand you and don't, you don't have to accept anyone else's definition of what's quote unquote important or not. Because yeah. with those people, it's never important that a woman was raped. Right. It's never important that this happens all the time and that that's the culture we live in it's never important they do not care so they'll never believe women they'll never it doesn't matter it's just a certain mindset and they they're not important and you there are plenty of people you can find that get it that was was. a big episode for one that we're just trying to sneak in before we leave for tour (laughs) i know and now we have to record two (laughs) mini-sodes let's do it and then sign 200 posters for the live shows we're fucking doing it this i'm gonna open a can of wine (laughs) um thank you so much thank you so much for supporting us we are so lucky to be here with you guys and um we, uh, and we're very excited to be traveling this weekend. We're, we're, um, we are in New York right now, really, technically, when uh-huh. this drops. Um, at the so beacon tonight, the night it ver- drops. This very night. Yes. Um, so, hi, what's up, New York? New York, and, Brooklyn, uh, and fucking Medford. And Medford, Massachusetts. Can't wait to see you all. Thanks so much for listening. Stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Goodbye. Goodbye. Elvis, you want a cookie? <laughs> Good boy. Cookie? Ah, He nailed it. Yeah, you did good.